Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make Hi, this is Dr. It. Joe Luciani, along with my not-toxic positive daughter and co-host, Lauren Simonian. Welcoming you to another session of self-coaching where real life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. So my non-toxic positive daughter, <laughs> sorry to squeeze that in on you. How you doing? <laughs> I appreciate that. I am doing good in a very realistically positive way. So how would you start off by telling me what toxic positivity is? Hmm. Toxic positivity is where you might be experiencing something really difficult, like, I don't know, the pandemic could be a great example. And if someone were to tell you, like, oh, just, you know, practice gratitude and you know, look at the bright side and don't worry, just keep your mind thinking positive thoughts. Um, in that situation, you're actually negating your true feelings and there's no real room for processing or growth in that situation. Not to mention it can feel like, you know, cold comfort if someone just tells you like, oh, don't worry, just look on the bright side. You just lost your job. It's okay. Practice gratitude. So I think that there is a, a fine line between positivity and toxic positivity okay. we'll see you all next week that was uh, podcast <laughs> today on toxic positivity uh, i'll tell you what since since you've kind of elaborated on what it is i think i would like to follow through with the toxic positivity theme song oh would that be okay sure i'm curious to hear what you chose Good. Okay. okay on three two one I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. I'm backing up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. Such a great song. Now, I love that song. Well, so that's not toxic. I mean, we all want good vibrations and, and we want to spread those good vibrations to people. And right? Yes. So I wholeheartedly agree. Okay, but so what's the difference between healthy positivity and and we all know what unhealthy positivity is, but I don't. So what would be what would be the difference between well what's 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 healthy optimism what's what's healthy healthy positivity if if someone tells me a, a sad story i have to now kind of think if i'm really dismissing or yeah you know, maybe that's it right if you're dismissing the person's feelings and just glossing over it is that is that all that it is is that what we're talking about I, th I, I think so. It's, I mean, I don't know if toxic positivity is like the, the correct word here. It's just a term that's been no, no, now know, a buzzword. Now, now it's the correct um, term. I am officially declaring that this is toxic positivity <laughs> week and, and that this podcast will officially launch uh, the, the week of toxic positivity. 
Yes. And I mean, the, toxic positivity is a word that I've heard a lot lately, which is why I brought it up because in a lot of your millennial friends. Yeah. Well, not my friends, but my millennial influencers on Instagram. <laughs> a lot of, I follow a lot of, you know, self-help and personal development influencers. And um, many have been accused of, of using toxic positivity in their work. And a lot of people feel slighted by this feeling as though, you know, their emotions aren't validated. It's more just, you know, ignore that and look at the bright side. I don't get my emotions validated. For example. <laughs> Did you just ring the chime? I couldn't hear it. The, it's not even a chime. It's it's my it's a singing bowl. It's my Himalayan singing bowl. Not only does it not sing, listen to this. There it does. Oh. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I don't know if it's the bowl that's the problem. I'm going to try it one more time. It might just be lost in oh, translation here. Uh, uh, see, are you using negative toxic positivity on me right now? You're supposed no, it's you're just, supposed just to pure say, reality right here. Aren't you supposed to give me some positivity for, for at least getting the Himalayan singing bowl and uh, yeah, that's true. Good, great job for getting the bowl. I do think we need a lesson on using fine, it. But... Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> I thought you'd be impressed. I am. I am impressed. I just can't hear it great through the... I spent $700 on this bowl. You did not. All right. Talk Although inflation is real these days, so maybe you did. Good vibrations. Beach Boys. Oh, I used to love that song. So... So we all want good vibrations, but the key is with toxic positivity, I think you said it earlier, or you alluded to it in your soliloquy, is that, that if someone comes up to you and they are hurting, let me give you an example. Uh, I was working with a patient of mine who has cancer, and obviously very, very difficult situation, and and she was very distraught obviously just got the diagnosis and is now trying to figure out a protocol for how to proceed and you, i could tell that you know there was almost you know a, a moment where they where she wanted to cry and her husband was in the room and he he came on the uh, zoom and and he said you know i keep i keep telling her it's going to be fine it's going to be fine you know you're, you're going to be fine and the more he kept saying that i was watching her face and it was almost like she was feeling ashamed because mm. she was feeling so terrible. And, and he's coming in saying, it's going to be fine. Nah, nah, nah. I mean, there are some things that you, people say because they think it's helpful. Uh, is that right? You know, they just, they're just trying to be helpful. But when, in fact, what they're doing is, as we're saying, uh, they're just really denying that person the expression of grief or sadness that they might otherwise want to uh, get into, right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. I, there's nothing more maddening than, uh, to me anyway, than when I'm feeling like a strong, uncomfortable emotion and someone says like, oh, it's okay. You know, because clearly it's not okay for the person that's feeling the emotion. Like the, the worst thing is for someone to not be able to practice empathy and understand that even though it's not a big deal for that person it might be a big deal for you mm -hmm. and conversely like it might be a big deal for the other person like her husband might have been really scared and his way of dealing with it is not dealing with it right, right. Um, which isn't really fair to project that on someone you love because she obviously 
is looking for meaning through her difficulty. Or so. she's she's just really looking to grieve to get it off. You know, sometimes, right. you know, like at, at a funeral, I remember when my father died, I was a teenager. And, and I remember getting angry at people because almost, I would say 50% of the people came up and, and said, oh, he's okay now. He's with grandma and, you know, and they're sitting around a table and, and, and that's not where I was. I mean, I had just lost my father, just flown back from, from college. And, you know, it, it, it's, I've, someone actually said to me, it's for the best. What? <laughs> what the hell is that? It's for the best. I remember. And, and, and people, yeah, I guess I tried to figure it out this week since you mentioned toxic positivity, why someone would do that. And what I come up with is most of the time when we're in situations where we don't know what to say, like at a funeral or someone experiences a loss, uh, it's a kind of insecurity that that makes us, we don't know what to say. So we say something inane, like, mm -hmm. yeah, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. So do, do you think it's sometimes not, it's not meant to steal someone's thunder, that it's it's really just, you know, trying to get through a tough situation. I mean, when you go up to someone who is grieving in a, in a funeral, say at a funeral wake, and everybody's standing in line and they shake hands. And, you know, if, if you were to have a recorder, most people would be saying things like, oh, they're better off now, or now they're not suffering, or now they're in heaven, or this, you know, it, it, what, what can you say? I, I usually say, uh, you know, I'm just so sorry for your loss. You know, it's, it's never easy. And, I, you know, I just try to get at the fact that I understand that, you know, you're not going to be happy right now. So why should I try to make you happy? Mm -hmm. I think people do that. It's a way of uh, sidestepping emotional situations that might make them feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it. It's it's when people feel uncomfortable or insecure, sometimes it it does come out and you are incredibly evolved. So you're able to sort of sit in the discomfort of other people's emotions. But I think many of us feel, oh gosh, are you having a mindful moment? You just said I was incredibly involved. So I'm doing, oh, oh gosh. <laughs> it sounds really, really loud through the, through the, uh, you microphone. hear it singing? It's actually singing now. Let me see. Oh, now it stopped. Oh, oh gosh. Now it's just clanking. <laughs> um wait what was that you, you see, said i was incredibly evolved evolved and then you stopped listening to oh, the I, I got so excited I, I, i'm so evolved i have a himalayan singing bowl. how do i explain that to my old football buddies <laughs> well i don't know that you have to i doubt that they're listening to this podcast that's true um but okay, what i think my point was is that you to agree with you in saying that people, humans, typically when we're around people we care about and we know that they're struggling or in pain, it's like we almost make it our job to mm. find a way to fix it. Yeah, yeah. Like we want that person to feel better when oh. really, like, well, go ahead. You oh, know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I always go crazy when you mention anything that has to do with control. So it, it makes us feel, yeah, that, that's, it all making sense now. It makes us feel out of control when we have to offer somebody who is in a crisis, it makes us feel out of control. So we make, we make it want to go away, you know, almost magically. Oh, it'll be fine. Or chin up. Uh, you could always get another job. Uh, so so we feel out of control, and we're just trying to kind of put a Band-Aid on it, right? Is that? 
Am I missing it still? Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely right. And uh, I believe, at least in my own life, I've found that some of like the strongest connections I've had with others and are the, are the people that can just sort of hold space for you while you're experiencing a big emotion and not try to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's actually harder for men than women. Um, I've noticed men are much more, they're problem solvers. Go, so, go, you know, go, they're always trying easy, to get man. to the, go slow. no, that's a compliment. They're problem solvers. And women, I think are generally, obviously this is general statements, but I think women are generally more in touch with with emotional swings, like ups and downs, and and mm-hmm. men are more linear, like trying to solve problems. So I find that, you know, in relationships or partnerships where it's man and women, sometimes like the men have to learn that, wow, sometimes I don't have to fix it. Sometimes like, you know, my woman just needs space to, you know, talk about this thing that's bothering her. And then that's it. Well, wait, like there's I, I no solution you. that has to happen. What did you say? My woman? Are you talking about the man's inner woman or are you talking about? No, no. I'm just talking about like the man understanding that sometimes what a woman might need is just space to vent or to be with the uncomfortable feeling as opposed to needing a plan to fix it. Now this brings up, I know I'm going to on tangent here, so I apologize ahead of time, but it brings up my, my Jungian training, Carl, Carl Jung, the Swiss psychiatrist. And in, according to Jungian thought, uh, every man has an inner woman called the, the anima, and every woman has an inner man called the animas. And they're, they're, the anima in a man is more suppressed than the conscious maleness of the person. So therefore, the intellect is foremost, but the feelings are somewhat be, below the surface and vice versa for the female. So it's kind of what you said that you know women are more involved in a feeling aspect and men are more intellectualized according to jungian thought um, we want to integrate the more the more integrated a person becomes for a man to get in touch with his anima excuse me one second <laughs> for a man to become more in touch with his anima then we have more of a wholeness between male and female the duality becomes to get begins to merge and you become a more, you know, a more wholesome and fulfilled person. So the person that's really one-sided, like a man who has has rejected his anima, his inner feminine, you know, that person maybe is over-intellectualized, stoic, you know, shows no feelings, suppresses feelings. So it's a tangent, but I think it's an interesting tangent from based on what you said. You kind of follow that, or did I just lose you in the? Yeah, no, it's. It's, kind of like the yin and the yang a little, right? Yeah, yeah, toxic positive. Let me tell you, I, I'm, I'm yammering today, so forgive me. I don't know why, but... Uh, You're also getting, like, oddly excited at random times. Yeah, yeah, because I just thought of something that I think you'll, I think you'll really like this, I think. If not, I don't know what to say. But Probably. When I was a kid, when we had a, a tragedy with a pet, uh, if a pet died, and we had, we went through, I think, three dogs... Uh, Bobo the bird, uh, six goldfish, and, and on and on with pets. So we, every time we'd lose a pet, we were set. We would they would sit us down, my cousin and I, and we'd sit at the table, and and they'd say, you know, Hector went to the farm. <laughs> well, what's the farm? Oh, well, no. well, that's that's up in the country, and it's it's a much better place. And Hector's running around now, and he's having a good time, and. And then, you know, a few years later, Sparky died. And yeah, Sparky's at the farm. And, you know, so 
<laughs> and I'm going to ask you if that's toxic positivity. But first, <laughs> I've got to tell you this. I heard this story. It was a guy on one of the talk shows, and he was saying the same thing, that when his pets died, they, he was told they all went to the farm. And then, you know, after the years of all his pets dying, going to the farm, his aunt Sally died. And he went to the mother and he says, mom, what happened to Aunt Sally? Where did she go? And and the mother said, well, someone had to go to the farm and take care of the animals. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, oh, it's so sad. So, now, but is, now, that's where I get confused. Now, that's it's an example of toxic positivity. You're not you're not allowing that child to grieve. And you're you're glossing over it with this this mythical story, but is it wrong? It's a great question. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I, maybe sure. there's a, maybe there's a middle ground where, you know, someone who who really needs help processing, you know, you give them a, a handle. I mean, I, I guess it doesn't work for adults. I mean, I, I mean, I hope I never go to the farm. <laughs> I hope not either. Um, I I don't know the answer to that question because I know that you know research says that children should be exposed to difficulties and like understanding the cycle of life. And a lot of people suggest that you get your kid a goldfish and and allow them to sort of connect to it and then watch how this process evolves so that they can understand the ways of the world and and process it. But there's also the part of us that wants to protect the innocence of a child so as long as we can um, because eventually we know they'll have to deal with the farm in its yeah. reality <laughs> so I really don't know the answer to that one yeah well, I don't know I, I don't know either I, I, I kind of think that when I was a kid it, it was very comforting now uh, I'm I'm one for saying you know I know a lot of you know, thinking today is that we need to work through our feelings, and this is good. And blah blah blah. I, I'm not. I'm not so sure. I, I'm really not so sure. Says the psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just like make a joke about working through your feelings? <laughs> well, you're so cruel oh today. No, I'm just. I, I'm just pointing out <laughs> that I'm pretty sure that's what you just did. <laughs> Nevertheless, let me proceed. That I'm not so sure. <laughs> that we should always help people work through their feelings because let's take grieving as an example. Mm -hmm. Not everybody grieves the same way. Uh, some people grieve, you know, they just fall apart in the moment and they just cry and cry incessantly until one day the tears dry up. Other people are, are certainly much more stoic about it. And it, it kind of, their grieving is done in bits and pieces over time, sometimes months and years. Now, maybe maybe this is a way that some people have to process their grief. You know, maybe we should just try to help s sometimes people see a lighter version of what's going on in front of them. I don't know. I don't know. And and I guess Yeah, and I don't I don't think that it's toxic positivity to offer I mean, obviously the farm thing you're not going to say to an adult, but I don't think it's, you know, to say something encouraging I don't think that that's toxic positivity especially if it's like if it's you have one chance to share something with that person at a wake or something like that but, but, but if it's something that has absolutely no possibility or relevance you know like the farm is an example I mean the farm doesn't exist so you know it, it's it, you know when you say something that oh you know you you, you 
say someone who loses a, a physical capacity and they're not going to regain that capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you say, well, maybe in time, maybe you'll figure it out. Maybe you'll, you know, I mean, I'm not so sure. I, I just, are we confused or is, is this a confusing topic? Um, or am no, I confused? I, I, I think potentially you're confused. I don't, I think it makes sense that, um, you know, toxic positivity is when you are just negating somebody's feelings and going straight towards the silver lining that might not exist for that person. Mm-hmm. It's like you're you're trying to uh, sugarcoat what's really happening. And I think yeah, in yeah. doing so, you make that person not feel validated in what they're feeling, which is then adding to the distress of the situation. And, and sugarcoating can be particularly grating during times of intense personal distress. Uh, and sometimes it could actually seem cruel, you know, to, to me. You know, when you just yeah. tell someone, oh, stop, stop complaining, you know, it'll be fine, stop complaining. I mean, that's kind of cruel. I think so too. Uh, you know, I, I, I do believe that people need times to actually process the emotion like and and sometimes it comes out and it might sound not important to somebody else I find that a lot where people might be feeling something that to them feels like a really big thing is happening in their life and somebody else might hear it and be like oh you know I I handled that fine it's no big deal Mm -hmm. Um, and that that there's a disconnect there it actually you know it fosters connection when you can relate to the person's emotion instead of the situation uh, i got it i got it. now it's see now the little thought bubble has just popped up in the air above my head and so we can actually facilitate someone's handling their own emotions but instead of glossing over it and throwing them yeah you'll get another job kind of thing uh by by helping them express their emotion you know how's how are you feeling right now you know something like that really facilitating their you know, they're wanting to just get it off their chest kind of thing. Totally. And just reflecting back what it is that you like reflecting what you know, they're feeling so that there's a connection made there. And the example that just popped into my head was when I first started teaching third grade, it was the first day that I was teaching with younger kids and one little girl broke her pencil and it was just like a normal pencil. And so I went and got another sharpened one and handed it to her thinking I was fixing the problem and she was crying and she couldn't and I, and I handed her the pencil and I was like here you go just you know start over no big deal and I walked away and kind of noticed that it was a big deal to her like she actually really felt like she lost something that was hers and and I had to connect to it on that level, which is like, I can't really understand being upset about breaking a pencil because to me, it wouldn't bother me. But I could understand the feeling of frustration or sadness to lose something that you care about. And so that's where I connected to her on the emotion, not the experience. Yeah. I hear you. I hear, you, know, you know what you used to get you know me? what I mean? I, I know what you mean. <laughs> It's like if your telescope doesn't work oh, at night and you come in and you're it's supposed to be a clear grumpy. Night tonight. It's supposed to be a clear night tonight. Right. But if it's not, you're going to experience extreme distress. And then if we all tell you it's no big deal, it probably That's a good doesn't point. feel you're right. It, it, it feels frustrating. And it feels, uh, it feels like you really don't understand me. That was a, yeah. That's good throwing in the old telescope. <laughs>
I know that I had to get you to pay attention over there. Yeah, I, I remember, I, I can't remember what it was, but um, something, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't know if it was uh, when I was a kid, I mean, maybe an illness or something. And I remember my mother saying to me that, you know, don't worry, that, you know, there are, there are people that have it worse off than you, that, mm. that kind of thing. And I remember for years, I was thinking that, well, that's true. There's always somebody that has it worse off. <laughs> and, then, and then one day I'm saying, well, what if I were able to track down every person and, and finally get to the ground zero, the, the person that has it the worst, and there's nobody worse <laughs> off than that person? <laughs> that person can't say somebody's worse off than me because... <laughs> So then they're, they sorry. are the one person in the world entitled to be miserable. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, but when, that, that's an example of toxic positivity. Yeah, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Someone's got it worse off than you. So that would be toxic positivity. Yeah, I, I think so. I, there's a um, term that I read of recently, which was termed by this man, Victor Frankl. Who's oh, Victor a, Frankl, yeah. You know him? Up to a psychologist. He and he, he survived the Holocaust, he was, right? He was in a concentration camp, you know. Yeah, he's, his story is amazing. But the term that he... The aggressor, all that kind of stuff came from his writing. So maybe you know this term, because he, he coined a term that's actually, they're calling the antidote to uh, toxic positivity. And the term is tragic optimism, which is kind of like post-traumatic growth where he kind of talks about how, you know, there are inevitable tragedies that humans experience, or there are sometimes things that are like extremely difficult. And in with tragic optimism, it's like understanding that we can actually grow from these experiences mm -hmm. and start to have a greater appreciation of life and relationships and increase our compassion and our purpose. And so yeah. he, talks about how we shouldn't avoid difficult emotions and difficult situations, but instead we should like embrace them as part of life, knowing that if we do have the right mindset and allow ourselves to fully process the experience and the emotion, that on the other side of that, there will inevitably be growth in our yeah, yeah. You know, if I'm not mistaken, it was Viktor Frankl who, um, who, said that you know no, in reflecting on the concentration camp experiences that that the one thing the human psyche the human spirit can't tolerate is you know so, something when duress or pain is unending and there is no i guess no exit mm. and and so that goes in with uh, tragic optimism you you can't let go of hope because they because and i might be certainly misquoting but if not it's it's still a profound statement that that we we really we really can't um, we we can't just not have hope. Once we lose hope, well, we can not have it. I can't say can't deny someone if they want to be hopeless. But but once once we let go of hope, of course, then you know then everything else becomes intolerable. So so that kind of tragic optimism. Uh, we once we lose optimism, you know, then it's it's really. What am I talking about? This is, this is tragic i don't i didn't know a toxic positivity now i don't know tragic optimism but they all make kind of sense yeah i think i think that you know we don't the terms are you know just names for different approaches to life i guess isn't that the, isn't that what all psychology is <laughs> terms for, for everyday terms. experiences like basically hmm. that's what i'm learning anyway <laughs> <Oedipus complex. Ooh. laughs> 
Ooh. A bit of unconscious. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think that toxic positivity, we were talking about it in terms of like the way we reflect it onto others, but I think it's also good to be aware of if we are sort of using it ourselves because uh, I don't know, I find for me sometimes I'll say to myself things like, oh, it's not a big deal or, um, you know, I, I have so many other things to be grateful for or somebody's more worse off than I am in this situation. And I think that it maybe helps with like benign situations where you just want to sort of avoid the worry about something or whatever. But then there are other times I think it's actually hurtful because if if you ignore the emotion that's surfacing, like that emotion actually gets trapped in your body. Um, it doesn't just go away because your brain focuses on something different. Um, and and it, research shows that if you'd have unprocessed emotion, like it leads to stress, it leads to stomach issues, it leads to headaches, it literally changes the chemistry in your body. So if you are continually overlooking mm -hmm. stressors or, or um, unprocessed emotion, it can be a very unhealthy for your mind and your yeah, body. Yeah, that is true. And I know the studies that you, you speak of, but I'm, I'm going to give you a confession right now. Are you ready? I'm ready. Now, when you introduced this term to me this week, toxic positivity, um, you know what went through my mind? And, and maybe I'll confess, continues to go through my mind that this is a real millennial kind of designation, toxic positivity. Because, well, because, you know, basically, I don't know, do we need a term toxic positivity? Uh, just seems, I don't know. I'll agree with you. I think it is a millennial term. And I do think that, well, I don't think we need the term, but I think it's worth, I think the concept is worth looking at, at least in today's day and age, because I don't know about you baby boomers, but for millennials, there's a huge push to start understanding self and understanding uh, emotions. And there's a lot of like gratitude practices and positive psychology and mindset and all of these things that are sort of flooded, at least, you know, through social media and different self-help books. And I think it's just kind of like a common culture for people to be exploring inward. And without the help of a psychologist like you sometimes might be under the impression that oh man like what's wrong with me I, I you know I counted all my blessings and my gratitudes and I still feel like crap like there's something wrong with me um, and I think that's where you know it, yeah. it's important to realize that not everything is just yeah, but looking no, on the bright side no and you you meant you just mentioned a whole bunch of things you know gratitude go back and rewind the tape a little bit what are some of the things that you were saying gratitude um there's like gratitude affirmation, affirmation journals journal. like i am strong I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean i do all that stuff by the way okay. so it's so all about... that stuff all that millennial stuff it kind of it kind of makes me sick <laughs> that's, what that's sick it's it's like yeah i'm a baby boomer and every day every week it's a new term for this and a new term for that you know come on Oh, gosh, you have to evolve with the times, Dad. Yeah, but, you know, mm. it's just too much. See, we baby boomers, we like to keep things simple. Um, you know, you, you know, it's, I don't know. See, see, I grew up when Freud was the, the dominant force in psych psychiatry. And there really wasn't much psychology. Freud was, you know, it was the medical model. 
So okay. we, we didn't think in terms of psychology. Um, if if a parent didn't like what a kid was doing, they said, get in the corner. You know, we didn't we didn't go to bed feeling, oh, I shamed my son. Oh my God. No. You know, it's just we we just did things because our parents did them and their parents did it. And it was a simpler life, but I guess we screwed, yeah, but there's we screwed zero, up all our kids. There's zero awareness around living that way. I know. <laughs> I know. So why did I become a psychologist if that's how I feel? Well, that's, but I don't think that's how you actually feel. I feel like you have a lot of awareness and you like yeah. dedicate a lot of your life to understanding. Okay. Yeah, but, but maybe that's it. I just don't like labeling it all. All right, fine. I like so, understanding then, it, but I don't like a new label every week for another nuance. Then how are we supposed to talk about things on a podcast if we can't give them names? <sighs> you're right. You're right. You're right. Oh, gosh. I know. I know. But this, see, this is the, the, the nexus when, when you have a baby boomer and, and a millennial and you try to find a common language. And, 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 and that's fine. But you keep introducing a new language every week. And and that's fine too, but I guess I guess baby boomers just just love the stimulation of it all. <laughs> Do you want to just call it sugar coating instead of uh, toxic positivity? Maybe I, should. I feel like baby boomers use a lot of toxic because yeah, because they don't like to deal with the. Well, that's true. You know, you're absolutely right. You're Thank absolutely you. right. Oh my gosh baby boomers mm. yeah we 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 live our lives in denial <laughs> i love how you're just grouping everyone into like what your <laughs> perception is yeah well, I have oh. gratitude we don't need gratitude and much less a journal and and i've i've mentioned that to, to different patients that are boomers and that, that they should consider writing down, writing down a journal because it, uh, it does produce some results we had to do it in graduate school but when you when you introduce the title to a, a baby boomer patient, invariably they don't do it. Number one, and and in the moment you know they look at you in a strange way. Yeah, right. I'm going to go out and get a journal. But but you mention that to a millennial, and you have to you have to say, where are you going? Where are you going? They're already off to buy the journal. You know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think that uh, in some ways, you know, if you mention a journal to a baby boomer that's struggling that might feel like sugar coating like oh you think I'm going to solve my problems by going to buy a journal you know so I guess it's it's in the research behind it which is you know I think that's also become more of a there has been more research on all of these tools and practices in the in the more recent years so I think that's why my age group is sort of like exposed to it whereas like in your years it was more like freud and Mm -hmm. you know whatever psychological um mr rogers mr rogers would have loved journals um we're talking about toxic positivity as it comes from us when we give it to someone but what about when we do it to ourselves managing our own negative emotions sometimes we we use toxic positivity in our own minds right when we deny our feelings when we have a stressful situation and and we just try to you know kind of sidestep it so don't don't we you know kind of do that to ourselves and if so how do we avoid toxic positivity when in our own thoughts Hmm. gotcha gotcha well (laughs) i kind of i think i referred to that a little bit earlier yeah i it is i think that we do really have to be aware of it because we can't deny our truth. 
we can't deny our truth. That's right. And and but there's also I think a fine line there because there are times where we just need to be a little bit more bold or brave in a situation and sometimes that positivity which is like oh you know you can do this don't worry about it like that sort of thing maybe sometimes is helpful Mm -hmm. but I think if there's you know strong emotion Mm -hmm. well how about this how about this um be realistic about what you feel and when you're facing a stressful situation recognize that it's normal to feel stressed worried or even fearful so don't expect too much from yourself. Don't don't shame yourself by saying, I shouldn't be feeling this. This is terrible. I and going back to my patient I was telling you about who was who had got the cancer diagnosis. She was feeling shameful, shamed of herself. Uh, I know I, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I should be more positive. So she was she was really not really taking care of her own needs at that point. She was buying into toxic positivity. And that's a mistake because we have to give room and, and, you know, some room for our feelings. And if we, if we try to brush them under the rug uh, and, and do it in a way that we feel even worse about ourselves by shaming ourselves or feeling guilty, that's, that's just not a good thing. Yeah, I totally agree. So that's, (laughs) you know, at time the Himalayan singing bowl says, is it mindful minute time no 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 no. it is i, I know i know i know self coaching podcast no <laughs> that was an epic fail oh my right, god i'll let you do it ready okay here we go <laughs> yes it is Self-coaching pep talk time. Pep talk time. Yay! And today's today's pep talk, self-imposed toxic positivity. In order to achieve a happier life, you can't ignore where you are in the moment. Whether it's stress, overwork, difficulty with family members, or health concerns, your feelings, rather than being suppressed, need to be addressed and validated. Only then can you begin to really separate yourself from your inner struggles. Most importantly, avoid toxic positivity. When telling yourself, chin up, things could be worse, or everything happens for a reason. Self-imposed toxic positivity by denying your true feelings can lead to self-criticism, guilt, and even depression. Starting today, recognize who and what you are in this moment. Validate your feelings. Don't run away from them. By yielding rather than resisting unavoidable challenges, you begin to pave the way toward a more courageous path forward. We really nailed that uh, introduction, didn't we? Yes. And uh, let me give you let me give you some toxic positivity. Don't worry about it, Lauren. There's always next week. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. People have done worse introductions than that. I, know, I, I was being facetious. You should feel pretty crummy about that. I was being facetious too. I do feel <laughs> crummy about it. So I'll have to process that later. So it doesn't get stored in my body. All right. Oh. So, you know, we, we've, this, this was difficult for me because it's, it's one of those millennial 
Oh, for the love. Do we have to keep I doing did not that? Learn, like... I did not learn this term in graduate school, I'm sorry, nor in my internship. So, mm. you know, these millennial things just keep popping up, popcorn, <laughs> and and it has relevance. I, You know I'm being facetious, and I like, I, know. I like to introduce a little levity to very serious topics because the world needs more levity. I'm very, very you know, I'm very convinced of that. I, I spend a good part of my life just being silly uh, on purpose because I, I like, you know, it's the, when the fish ran into the old wall and said, damn, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of silliness that, you know, it, it breaks the spell of, of the seriousness of living in this world, you know, and there are people with very serious problems and even someone with very serious problems such as depression and, and whatnot, uh, every once in a while, just, just, Breaking up, watching watching Groucho Marx. Do you know who Groucho Marx is? I do not. Oh dear. Watching who's who's somebody funny that you like? Like a comedian? Yeah. Um, I TV like show, Sebastian Maniscalco. All right, Sebastian Maniscalco. <laughs> um, so, and when you when you watch that and you and you laugh, even if you were kind of down in the dumps, once once that laughter comes out of you. It's it's almost like there's a, a an escape of stressful tension that, that that just leaves your body. May not last, but you know what? I think it's helpful, and I think humor is a very critical aspect of healthy living. So that's my two cents. And if anyone listening to this podcast thinks that I'm being disrespectful because of my humor, I I say touche because essentially <laughs> I feel it is the humor that we inject into these podcasts that. I try to give you, even with serious problems, try to give you that little bit of release. And if we can do that, and if we can accomplish that, then <laughs> what's that? What do you got? What do you got for me before we hang up today? What do you got for me today? Any closing words? Oh, I know, I know. Goodness. I do it to you every week. You've been better about it, I have to say. Uh, I would just like to say positivity how you're gonna is... keep them down on the phone <laughs> after, after they good, die good good what <laughs> what did you say <laughs> how you gonna keep them down on the phone after they die <laughs> god i was singing good vibrations <laughs> we should harmonize and then we could do a, a mixture of tragedy and pos positivity so come on any 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 toxic last words? Uh, I think just beware of the toxic positivity. <laughs> so when we try to help somebody work through their emotions and not deny their emotions, uh, if someone wants a, a simple way to do that, you know, rather than giving them inane advice, just try to get them to talk a little bit more about what they're feeling. Try to get them, you know, just a simple, you know, I'm curious how you're feeling right now. Are you handling this okay? You know, what's going on for you? So something like that, I think, is much more helpful and healing than, um, you know, maybe you should go, go to the farm. <laughs> totally yeah and sometimes so, sometimes you don't have to say anything at all there's this term and another millennial term called holding space oh, which is just oh come on dad it's such an important one it's just being present and allowing someone to vent and not have to 
you know, not needing to reply necessarily. I wish there was a way we could test whether baby boomers are actually happier because of their lack of terminology than millennials, but so anyhow, I guess anyhow. I guess it's a wrap. Unless unless you want to, you know, yammer yourself. I know I started out by saying I'm going to yammer through this podcast, but if you want to have a little yammering, you'd like to do. If not, we'll call it a day. Yeah, I, I feel pretty unyammered. So we'll call it a wrap. Unless unless you are uh, totally opposed to that, what do you think? Are you okay to call this a quick? I I think we really sometimes need to just like wrap it up when that everybody, you know, everybody of, listening to this is saying God, the same thing it's like we we talk so long about whether or not we should wrap it up it's just really can you, painful can you picture an obsessive compulsive listening to <laughs> and they have to listen to it from beginning to end you, can't, you know it's like reading a book you can't put it down till you finish and they, they say come on please finish please just end the damn thing oh my god so for those yeah, for those people for those persons out there let's end it yeah, let's respect them. And listen, while while we're we're helping you end this podcast, you know, why not visit our, our websites, selfstudioslearning.com, or one word, and or selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And while you're there, check out my number one best-selling book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless and you are not powerless. So remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join my, as I said in the beginning, non-toxic, positive Lauren, me every week. And let's make it simple together. Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams Don't surrender, there is more than it seems Hold on and fight, follow your heart This is your way, life is what you make of it Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams